And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. So last week we started a vision series entitled, We Are. We are propelled by our vision. We are rooted in our identity. So if I say New City Fellowship is... Come on, y'all. It's right there. New City Fellowship is... Okay. And we're joined together to worship... Jesus. Jesus. It's a Sunday school answer. And also to do spirit-led deeds of justice and mercy. Amen. So today we're going to talk specifically about doing spirit-led deeds of justice and mercy, and specifically more about justice than we are mercy. Um, So I'm excited about that. The text we're looking at today reminds me of something that happens in pro wrestling. If you watch pro wrestling, you know that when a match is about to begin, the lights drop down and the lights start going around the arena and the announcer gets on and starts talking about this person who's about to come out and start making all these wild claims of their, you know, they're the terrible and all this stuff. And then the curtain opens and you know what happened, the wrestler, you know, he comes out and he's there. And for some reason, they're always all sweaty, right? Whenever they come out, they're like, what are they doing in that back room? They're doing push-ups or something. They're always all sweaty. But then he slowly makes his way down the ramp and he like dramatically gets in the ring, you know? And like, and, and they're, they're just walking like this. And then he walks over to the announcer and he grabs the mic from the announcer and he, and he starts to say, here's who I am and here's what I'm gonna do. My name is so-and-so and I'm gonna destroy my opponent. It's a self-announcement, right? And it's kind of hysterical to watch. Today, Jesus does something, di- di- something similar, although he does it in a very different way. Jesus steps on the scene. He hasn't quite entered into the ring of his public ministry yet, but he announces who he is through Luke chapter four. So let's read Luke chapter four, verses 14 through I think 21 together. Then Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the spirit. And news about him spread through the entire vicinity. He was teaching in their synagogues, being praised by everyone. He came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. As usual, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. In unrolling the scroll, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me. Here's the announcement. Because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He then rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. And the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fixed on him, and he began by saying to them, Today, as you listened, The scripture, this scripture, Isaiah 61, has been fulfilled. Okay. Today we're going to talk about justice. And I have three points for you today. First of all, justice is in the Bible. Justice is in the Bible. Secondly, justice is part of Jesus' commitment. It's part of who he is. And then lastly, justice is part of who we are as followers of Jesus. We're called to be a people who do justice. So let's talk about justice being in the Bible. Some people are surprised when you talk about justice and you say it's in the Bible. 
And they're surprised for several reasons. One is sometimes Christians say, okay, but that's really like a third, an issue of third importance. Let's talk about issues that are really important, like our spiritual lives. And so they'll say they're surprised that justice is in the Bible because they don't really understand what it has to do with following Jesus. But sometimes other people are surprised because they didn't know the Bible said anything about justice and they really care about issues of justice. And they don't see the church practicing anything about justice and so they're surprised to see that it's actually in the Bible. Well, justice is in the Bible because God loves justice and God does justice. One of my favorite passages is Jeremiah 9. And it says, this is what the Lord says. The one who boasts should boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord, showing faithful love, justice, and righteousness on the earth. For I delight in these things. This is the Lord's declaration. I love that. I delight in these things. God loves showing faithful love and righteousness and justice. God loves justice. But God also does justice. In Deuteronomy 10, it says, for the Lord your God is the God of gods and the Lord of lords, the great mighty and awe-inspiring God, showing no partiality and taking no bribe. He executes justice for the fatherless and the widow, and he loves the resident alien. That's the refugee, giving him food and clothing. You are also to love the resident aliens since you were resident aliens in the land of Egypt. You are to fear the Lord your God and worship him. God loves justice and God does justice. Now, for clarification, when we talk about the word justice, sometimes it's confusing for Christians because Christians, when they think of justice, they think we don't want God's justice, right? We owe God a moral debt because of our sin. We have violated God's law And if God gives us justice, it means he's going to punish us for our sin. That's true. That's not not true. That is true. That's the bad news of the gospel. The bad news is that we owe God because of our sin, and we can't pay him. He is the righteous judge. There's nothing that we can do, no good works we can do to repay him for that debt. That is true. But that's not the only meaning of justice in the Bible. In the Bible, especially in the Old Testament, Justice not only means punishment, but it means restoration. It means setting things right. It means bringing a practical expression of the love of God into someone's life who's vulnerable or being treated unjustly. That's why in this verse, he executes justice for the fatherless and the widow. God's not saying that he goes around punishing the widow and the orphan for their sins. What he's saying is that he wants to bring righteousness into their life. He wants to bring restoration into their life. He wants to bring his love in practical ways throughout the Old Testament to the widow, the orphan, the refugee, and the poor. Over and over and over again, if you look up the widow, the orphan, the refugee, or the poor, you'll see that God cares about these groups of vulnerable people. And he wants to bring justice into their life because they're at risk for being treated unjustly. They're at risk for being treated unjustly. And so you'll see even in this passage that because God loves justice and God does justice, he wants his people to love and do justice as well. 
In fact, the people of Israel were constituted. That means they were made into a nation around the idea of being a light to other nations. And part of them being a light to other nations was that they would not oppress the vulnerable among them. While all the other nations were unjust, they would be a nation that was just. They would take care of the poor and the widow. They wouldn't oppress the refugee who lived among them because they themselves had been refugees in Egypt. God was trying to teach them through that time, through that coming out of Egypt, they knew what it was like to be in a vulnerable position. They knew what it was like to be treated unjustly. Therefore, don't treat others unjustly because you know what it's like. Israel was formed to be a light to the nations, a, a light to the nations in the sense that they treated others justly, and yet they desperately failed to be a just nation. They ignored God's rules around justice. They ignored the year of Jubilee, we think. The year of Jubilee was a year where things were restored and made right. It was the 50th year in the calendar. And, and from what we see in, through the history of Israel, we don't think they ever actually practice it. They ignored God's rules for justice. And what's interesting in this verse, and even, even God tries practicing and doing justice to the worship of him. In other words, you can't worship the God of Israel and ignore the God of Israel's concern for justice. And yet that's exactly what they did. Their two great sins were worshiping idols and treating others unjustly. Rather than being a light to the nations, they were just like the other nations. Rather than being just, they were unjust. They neglected justice. They began to have this narrative in their minds that we're, we're here to serve ourselves, we're here to do what we want to do, and, and whenever we do that, we automatically end up oppressing our neighbor. Y'all, the American dream, the American dream is not the same thing as Christianity. When we buy into the American dream, we will automatically end up oppressing someone else. We will ignore the needs of people around us. I'm not talking about paying your bills. I'm not talking about taking care of your family. But when we buy into these narratives that it's all about me advancing, we are not worshiping the God of the Bible. We are worshiping a God that's made in our own image. And when we do that, we will oppress our neighbors, either purposefully or by neglect. As I look around the world, I see injustice everywhere. And as I look around, I see that the world is a fallen and broken place and that there is really injustice everywhere. The good news for us is not only is justice in the Bible, but Jesus is all about justice. We're coming up on a time of Advent when we read all these scriptures from Isaiah about this coming one, this coming Messiah, this, this servant Savior who's going to come and restore things. And in every one of those scriptures that we read during Christmas time, everyone talks about justice. Listen to this one from Isaiah 9. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. The dominion will be vast and its prosperity will never end. He will reign on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish and sustain it with justice and righteousness from now and forever. And then how about this one from Isaiah 42? This is my servant, I strengthen him. This is my chosen one. I, I delight in him. I have put my spirit on him. He will bring justice to the nations. 
He will not cry out or shout or make his voice heard in the streets. He will not break a bruised reed, and he will not put out a smoldering wick. He will faithfully bring justice. He will not grow weak or be discouraged. Praise God. He will not grow weak or be discouraged until he has established justice on the earth. And then this passage that we're talking about today, Luke 4. In Luke 4, Jesus quotes Isaiah 61, which is another passage about the compassion and love and restorative justice of God. And Jesus chooses that as his mission statement. He says, today, this has been fulfilled in your hearing. In other words, justice is here. It's me. It's me. All the, all the prophecies about Isaiah that are pointing towards the compassion and love and mercy and justice of God are now being commissioned through the ministry of Jesus because justice is part of Jesus's commitment. I'll read it to you again, Luke 4. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free the oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. When he says the year of the Lord's favor, he's referring to that year of Jubilee, a year that was supposed to be about restorative justice. And he's saying Jubilee is now here in me and my person and in my mission. Now, some people read this, and rightly so, they ask the question, now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Isn't Jesus sort of talking about a spiritual metaphor? Isn't he talking about those who are spiritually captive to their sin? Isn't Jesus talking about those who are spiritually blind and can't see that they need Jesus? Isn't that what Jesus is talking about? Well, the problem with that is if you look at what Jesus does next, so after he enters the ring, what does he do? In the next chapters of Luke, he casts out someone who's demon-possessed, he heals the sick, he cleanses a leper, and he raises a widow's dead son, okay? All of those things have to do with restorative justice. When he raises the widow's dead son, he is now providing a way for her to have income when she had no way of having income once her son died. When he cleanses a leper, he is now bringing that leper back into the social structure of Israel. A leper was banned out of the community and is now restoring him into the community. Jesus goes out from this seeking out vulnerable people and doing spiritual miracles that heal people physically and set things right in their life. Now, before we go down far down, too far down that road, some of you going, I knew it. I knew it, I knew Jesus was just all about helping people. I knew Jesus was all concerned about justice and all the spiritual stuff that the church gets, gets all locked on. Eh, that doesn't matter as much. Well, here's the reality, Jesus does both. Jesus restores people into the social structure of Israel, but he also forgives sins. In fact, right after this, a paralyzed man is brought to Jesus. And Jesus allows him through his power to walk. And then it says, your sins are forgiven. To say it's one or the other, that is Jesus' mission statement, misses what Jesus actually goes and does. Jesus restores people and Jesus forgives their sins. So to make it one dimensional is to miss what Jesus actually does after he makes this mission statement. Justice is part of Jesus's commitment. 
And so we can't have Jesus without grasping that Jesus is about justice. Jesus is about justice. As Christians who have new life in Christ, as people who have been saved by the cross of Christ, part of the resurrection life in us is that we actually love our neighbors by seeking justice for those who are vulnerable and oppressed. And so to say, I'm not, I'm not gonna care about justice, we're missing part of the new life in Jesus Christ. We can't have Jesus without justice. But let me also challenge you, if you're about justice, but you're not about Jesus, why wouldn't you be? Why wouldn't you be about Jesus if you're about justice? There's, did you read Isaiah 42 that says that he sees all the brokenness and injustice in the entire world and it doesn't faze him? He's not scared. He's not going to quit until he faithfully brings justice to the nations. If I care about justice, I'm following that person. That's our calling as Christians. We're to follow Jesus in doing deeds of justice and mercy as people who have been forgiven by the cross of Jesus. The very son of God who came was put on the cross for us. He was punished in our place. He was put in the tomb. On the third day, he rose again. And, and, and if we believe in him, we turn away from our sins and we follow him. We are forgiven and he gives us new life. And as we follow him, part of that new life is that we become a people who do spirit-led deeds of justice and mercy in our community and for our neighbor. Now, now some people say, that's not my calling. That's not my individual calling. And, and I, I get where you're coming from. God has gifted you to do certain things or have a certain career or you feel like your life is pointed in a trajectory. But what you need to understand is that this is parting, part of our corporate calling part of our calling as his people. If you've ever watched the Ohio State Band, they are amazing. And if you look at this picture up here of the band, they will do all these sort of motion graphics on the field. Just look up Ohio State Band. You could sit there on YouTube and watch it for an hour. Each one of these people, you look on the right, you got tubas and drums, they all have an individual calling. But part of that is put on display when you back up and you see what everyone is called to together. We each have our individual callings, and yet part of our identity as the church, as Jesus' followers, is to put God's concern for justice on display. As we march together, doing what we're called to do, but pointing it towards God's restorative justice. Remember that God delights when justice is on display in his earth. Well, how do we do that at our church? How do we do that at New City? There's a few ways that we're doing that right now. One is we have a mercy team. And when someone is in trouble, if we can help them out financially, if there's someone in the church and we can help them out financially, we try to. We try to. We try and restore what's been broken or lost. A second thing that we do is our Monday night Bible study in the park. Um, Linda and Chad and Ellie and others have been involved with that for a very long time. And as we go to that park and we find many friends who are homeless and don't have anywhere to live, that live in the park or around the park, we try and just bring a meal. That's mercy. But we also try and find out ways that we can help restore to them what was lost. And that's justice. And that's hard and it's complicated and it's weary at times, but it's one of the ways that our church tries to put justice on display. Another thing we've done is the financial class that 
um, that Runette just finished teaching. By the way, congrats all you who went through that. Part of that is teaching people how to use funds in a way that's God-honoring in order to restore what has been lost or broken. These are ways that we display together God's concern for justice. But I'll tell you, I would love to see more. I would love to see our church do more in our city and community to display God's concern for justice. What about a job training for people who are coming out of prison? What, what about tutoring for kids who are falling behind in school? What about a program where we just identified widows in the community and we just walked with them? We wouldn't spend time with them. We helped them, we helped them go to the bank and we helped them not get lost in the system. Wouldn't that be amazing if we just had a ministry to widows that was concerned about justice and made sure they did not get taken advantage of? New City, do you want that? Yes. yes. Amen. Let's keep it out in front of us then. Let's keep it out in front of us that we're called to do spirit-led deeds of justice and mercy in our community. And as you have ideas to chase after this vision, let's talk about them. Let's do something. Let's go somewhere with this. Because if we're committed to these things, we have to be careful. There's a few things we can't allow. The first thing we can't allow is we can't allow liking something on Facebook to pass for doing something in real life. Now, Facebook's great. You can sort of gather a crowd around an issue and you can put, you can put uh, pressure on unjust systems and practices, but there's more that's needed, okay? There are homeless people who need to be fed on Monday nights in Arts Park. There are father, fatherless and motherless children who need someone to mentor them there are abused people who need healing and love. There are prisoners who are done with their time commitment in prison and need help entering back into life. There are students who need tutors to work with them. There are those who are coming out of addiction who need love and support. And there are 20 to 30 million slaves still in our world. I looked this figure up. I couldn't believe it. 20 to 30 million slaves. Now, this isn't like, uh, we're not taking this lightly. This are people who are in forced labor, forced prostitution, forced marriage. They're child soldiers or child brides. 20 to 30 million people around the, around the world who need God's people to step up and give them justice. And liking something on Facebook won't pass for doing something in real life. Secondly, we cannot allow our political commitments to eclipse Jesus's commitment to justice. Amen. Listen, Jesus cares about the barriers that black people face in our community, and he also cares about the vulnerability of the unborn. Jesus's concern for justice is going to overshadow any one political party. And if our commitment is greater to a political party than it is to Jesus, we will be blind to issues of justice in our city. We cannot allow our political commitments to eclipse Jesus's commitment. But then lastly, we have to accept that doing justice, doing spirit-led deeds of justice and mercy will be challenging, be very challenging. Mercy, in some ways, it's almost a little easier because you can pop in and you can give someone what they need and then step away. 
Justice requires that you sit in it with them and walk with them towards restoration. It requires that you be a voice for those who don't have a voice. It requires that you walk through complicated governmental systems in order to see someone restored and see their God-given dignity honored. And see, as we look at all the injustice in the world, one of my temptations is to do nothing because it's overwhelming. It's overwhelming all the issues of injustice around the world. But, but we can't say just because we can't fix everything doesn't mean we shouldn't engage something. Doing justice will be challenging. And when we get in the middle of these things, we will become discouraged and it will be costly. But we have to be ready for that. And we can't sell out to our own comfort when it costs us. As we navigate these things, we have to realize that God is calling us to follow Jesus in spirit-led deeds of justice and mercy. Will you follow him into it? Will you follow him in? Jesus, who loves justice, Jesus, who is justice, will you follow him into it? People of God, will we allow the Lord to call us into these things? Amen. To do justice, we do need the power of the Spirit. And Jesus gives the Spirit freely. When we talk about Spirit-led deeds, we don't necessarily mean, Spirit, where do you want me to go next? We mean that we need the radical empowerment of the Holy Spirit in our life to pursue these things. So let me close in prayer and ask for the Lord to send his Spirit and fill us again. Jesus, we thank you for your deep concern and your commitment to faithfully bring forth justice, to be jubilee to sinners like us. We pray, Lord, that we would be radically changed by your love and righteousness and that we might grow to love justice even more. We pray that you would empower us, Lord. Even this morning, I came, as I came to the building, there was a man asleep outside under the window right there. How do I enter in? Lord, we need your wisdom and we need the presence of your spirit to love people and to make other people's problems our problems. Would you make us a congregation that pursues spirit-led deeds of justice and mercy? And all God's people said, amen. amen. Would you stand with me? Amen. Thanks be to our Heavenly Father that through Jesus Christ we have the hope that all things will be made right and we'll sing and cry out. Hallelujah.